Welcome to another episode of Not So Gentle Reminder. I'm Dr. Christina, a board-certified pediatric emergency medicine doc. And I'm Dr. Vicki, a board-certified neonatal intensivist. We are friends and pediatricians who survived our training to become skilled but salty physicians. We are excited to share with you our evidence-based take on important pediatric topics. Our episode today is a companion episode to the medical episode related to febrile seizures, and we are continuing with the theme of how to keep your child safe and where to potentially look for CPR and first aid classes. So I will say that what we lack in terrific warm and fuzzy recommendations for febrile seizures we make up for overall. There are opportunities to keep your child safe generally besides the bubble, although that's my first recommendation, kitten, library book, maybe some music if you're feeling charitable. The next best thing I would say to the bubble and the kitten is thinking about getting some CPR training for parents. That is a great idea to start off. I think CPR sounds very scary when you first think about it, cardiopulmonary resuscitation. It's hard to even spell, right? Like there's a secret SC combo in there that sneaks up on you. It is. I am a terrible speller and always forget the C, despite the fact that I think about CPR constantly and use it quite frequently. (laughs) That's so unfortunate for you. You have such neat handwriting, so everybody knows that you're a terrible speller. I'm an excellent speller. It's a useless skill. And I have impenetrable, unreadable handwriting, so nobody has ever given me my just desserts and the glory I deserve for being a truly phenomenal spelling person. Except ophthalmology. Nobody can spell ophthalmology. That word's terrible. No. pH is left and right times 20. Spelling spelling aside, we'll put that aside. But the big question that we always get is, where can you find these classes? Where can you find CPR or first aid classes? And there are a couple of places that I would not recommend specifically, Instagram being number one. Okay. Tell us more. Rats. That's where I get a lot of my information. I know it's unfortunate, but there's a couple of very big medical organizations that I would recommend going to first. The first one being the Red Cross, and you can go to redcross.org. And there's actually searchable classes by your zip code for child and infant first aid and CPR. There is some cost involved, and I don't want to minimize that, but the online version is about $35. And this has some skills built in, but I would emphasize the fact that the classroom skills session is where you're getting your money's worth. run, depending on where you're getting them, $40 to $80. But you don't want the first time that you're practicing these skills to be on your child, your neighbor's child, a child in the grocery store. You want it to be on a dummy under the supervision of someone who has been well-trained to administer feedback about how well you're doing with these particular skills. So I do think that the two are very complementary, both the online as well as the classroom skill sessions. The alternative one that you can look at is the American Heart Association or the AHA. And the AHA is the group that is putting out recommendations when there are changes in CPR practice. So they're the final word in terms of how well you're going to be executing CPR. So they are very good. Yeah, they inform our practices when we get retrained and when we get our recertifications that we have to maintain. They're always quoting this multi-gazillion patient study that was fine-tuning this one miniature aspect of the procedure. They're like, if you're wearing a plaid shirt and standing here, that's how you do it. And if you're wearing a striped shirt, it is this. And the amount of rigor that they bring to bear on this is extraordinary. They take this very seriously as well 
well they should. So they're an excellent source. And there are two versions that you can get here. There is a friends and family version, which comes with a DVD. If you have a DVD player, it's possible. It also comes with a study guide that is in both English and Spanish um, that costs $2. And then their flagship product uh, is called Heart Saver. And this includes adult, child, CPR, as well as use of an AED or an automated external defibrillator. What's that thing? I think we need to talk about the AED a little bit. You've probably actually seen one, even if you haven't been looking for it. If you've gone to a grocery store, you've gone to a mall, a movie theater. It's that thing hanging under the Heimlich poster where there's this neglected corner in the restaurant where I'm looking at the menu. But if you were a more serious person, you could potentially look at where the Heimlich poster is. And then there's this plastic thing on the wall. It is exactly the thing that's underneath the universal sign for choking, being both hands on your throat. So in case you're choking, just remember that one. The AED looks a little bit like a suitcase tablet. If parents have seen a leapfrog, it looks like a leapfrog. And this is a very useful tool, and it's contributed to a lot of our success recently, and our, I mean, the medical community's success. But also ours, yours and mine. But also ours. It's true. We use a version of this in the hospital, but yeah. It is meant to be automated because for the average person, the concept of providing life-saving treatment might not be how they thought their night was going to go when they stepped out to dinner. And in a lot of cases, it is pretty much dummy-proof because you open it, you turn it on, and a very calming, measured electronic voice then gives you the next instructions and instructs whether or not you should be doing CPR, should you be applying a shock, should you be putting pads on the chest, that sort of thing. And the good news is, even if you've never used one of these before, unless you really do it wrong, it's actually kind of hard to hurt someone and it can very much save someone's life. So if you take a course through the AHA, take one of their heart saver courses so you can feel more comfortable administering CPR to adults, children, and then using that AED. I think the last thing that I had looked at from a resource standpoint was local police and fire departments often will offer classes in my own local town. They offer it right before the summer, which is considered a high risk period, especially for children, since there are submersion injuries and there can be a cardiac arrest related to that submersion injury. A lot of the police officers, paramedics are certified as CPR instructors because they have to maintain their own skills. So as part of you being a community member, they will provide some of these classes for free. I cannot emphasize enough that early CPR and AED use are critical for improving survival. We've shown this in so many different studies. I want to emphasize the use of a skill session. You probably feel just as strongly about a skill session, especially for infants. Absolutely. I think it's terrific to do the thing that scares the pants off you in a practice round before you have to do it for real while you're sweating. And I think, unfortunately, all of our media depictions of CPR are straight garbage. You're supposed to compress the heart externally. You have to squeeze someone's heart externally. This is not easy to do. I work with babies because I have Well, I'm working on my upper body strength, but let me tell you, it is not even easy to compress a baby's heart externally, let alone an adult, the kind of gym work you have to do for that anyway. So all of our media versions of how to give CPR are this like lackadaisical, slow, gentle rub instead of an adequate compression. It's kind of a nice massage. It's a nice massage. It's like a nice massage. And then once in a while, they romantically lean towards the mouth and blow a breath in. Whatever they're doing, that is crazy stuff. Stop doing that. 
they're doing it in the wrong place at the wrong pace at the wrong time in the wrong ratio. There is a right answer for how to do it or even at least where to do it. And I think those skill sessions are terrific mythbusters that give you tangible skills. You practice a couple times that day. You walk away. You feel so much smarter than all of these media portrayals and that you have some ability to save someone's life. And I agree with you that although I'm saying the media gets it all wrong and don't be the guy that gets it all wrong, something is always better than nothing. I remember one of our senior residents taught me when I was very scared to be somebody who led codes. She said, look, they're already doing the worst they're going to do. So all you can do is help. And I think that's a very empowering thought. You're not going to make it worse. You're just going to make it better. Unless you stick a spatula in, then you're going to make it worse. The spatula has no room in febrile seizure treatment or in CPR. It definitely doesn't. I don't know my spatula and my uncle vendetta. I've been harboring these feelings for so long, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share them with you guys. This is the forum for it, I think. I would like to point out also, as we are very heavily emphasizing this skill session, there is data to back it up because we also love data. Retention of information and retention of skills, not only in medical providers, we do a lot of rigorous simulation in which we go through these scenarios in a real high fidelity way. And when I say high fidelity, I mean true to life way. So then when the situation comes up, if you're in the hospital, you know how to execute the steps to appropriately provide CPR and not do the loxidaisical approach. But there is a lot of good data showing that even in the layperson, the community member with no medical training at all, that these skill sessions can contribute to a level of comfort and retention of that information should it ever come up when you are out to watch a movie, when you are out watching your kid's soccer game, any of those things. And until you can hand off care to emergency medical services, something is better than nothing. And I pointed this out, I think, at the beginning very briefly. Pay attention to where you're getting your CPR training from. There's a reason why I emphasize the Red Cross as well as the AHA. If you go through one of these reputable companies, you will be provided with a certification, and that certification actually matters. And some of the other companies that say that they are free are for-profit companies or it's an individual, and what you get at the end is not a certification. You might also have some skills. I'm not going to downplay the fact that these are algorithms. People can teach them in different ways, but there's a reason why they're taught in a specific way. So just be careful where you are getting them. And we will link in our show notes how to find the Red Cross as well as the AHA online. But shall we summarize what we have covered today in our very important episode? Yes, but I think your take home is not Instagram. Not Instagram. It's definitely not such a rich source for me. Something to something to think about. Something to think about the next episode. We'll think about the Instagram problems I have in the next episode. Excellent. I think we should recap. You're right. Let's do it. Let's sum up this practical episode regarding keeping your child safe with some not so gentle reminders and practical tips. Our first not-so-gentle reminder is that if you want to get CPR training, a great idea, consider the American Heart Association for training or your local fire or police department. Our next not-so-gentle reminder is that if you do seek out CPR training, a reputable source is not a stranger that you found on Instagram. So please refer back to the Red Cross or the American Heart Association because you will get a certification. And our final not-so-gentle reminder is if you can make sure that there's an in-person skill session. Thank you so much for listening. 
We would love it if you subscribed and left us a five-star review. We do want this information to be helpful to you, so we are very eager for your feedback. You can provide us your feedback in all sorts of different ways. You can find us at notsogentlereminder at gmail.com. You can DM us on the gram at notsogentlereminder. Tell us if there are predatory CPR options on the gram that you want us to get incensed about with you. We're here for it. You can also call us at 917-426-6908. And you can tell us what you'd like us to cover, any questions that you have or products that you'd like us to review or talk about or any ways that we can make this better for you. Please see our show notes and links on our website at notsogentlereminder.com for episode transcripts. Here comes our disclaimer. Although we are doctors, we're not your doctors. This podcast does not represent the opinions of our employers. It is purely for education and entertainment. Every child and every family is unique. If you're experiencing a medical emergency, please call 911. If you have specific questions about the care of your child, please be in touch with their doctor. Thank you.